Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. We are in the middle of our series, God Is, and we are looking at the truth that God is love. Now, if God is love, then we can look at what love is, how love looks, what love does, and we can see who God is. We can see how he loves us. So we're going through 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and we're looking at if God is love and love is patient, then God is patient. If love or if God is love and love is kind, then God is kind and so on and so forth. And so this week we're talking about the truth that God is not boastful, that he does not boast and that he does not have pride, that he is not a prideful God. And so we're looking at those two things and we're seeing and we're looking at how God is not those things. But whenever we look at this, sometimes we need to understand what that means, what that looks like. So what does it mean to boast? What does it mean to have pride? I put these two together for a reason, because they're very much similar to themselves. So whenever we look at the root meaning of both of these, we see that pride and boasting has this arrogance to it. It's someone that's conceited. So pride would be feeling that way about yourself, right? Thinking that you're better than other people, thinking that you're above other people, thinking that you can do things better than other people. And then the boasting piece would be how you act in that. So telling people that you're better than people, acting like you're better than everyone else. And, and you kind of picture that puffed up guy that you see in the cartoons, just thinking is all that, right? That's what pride and that's what boasting looks like. And whenever we're breaking this down this week, I really don't want to focus on the negative. I don't want to focus on what God isn't and what we shouldn't do. But what I want to do is I want to focus on the positive. So if we look at boasting, if we look at pride, what is the opposite of that? A lot of you guys know this. The opposite of that is humility. So I want to look at this week, what it looks like to serve a humble God, what our humble God looks like, how he walked that out in love and what that looks like in our life and how we can love other people by being humble, by having humility. It's it's such a good thing to, whenever we can really understand the heart of God and who he is, because then in turn, what do we want to do? We want to walk it out just like he did. We want to be more like our savior. It's not that we have to strive. It's not that we have to try. It's that we see Jesus, that fully man, fully God, that humbly lowered himself to this earth, humbly lowered himself to this earth. What does humility look like? Now, I want to stop here and I want to just say this, that there's a lot of people that think humility is cutting yourself down. Humility is feeling worthless, is feeling devalued, is feeling like you're you're just not good enough. But that's not what true humility is. I wrote this out. A humble person has a good sense of who they are in Christ. In other words, their confidence comes from who they are in Christ, but they value others above themselves. So it's not that they're constantly cutting themselves down and thinking that they're worthless. That would be false humility. But a humble person actually has a confidence in who they are, but it's not in and of themselves. It's in Christ. That's their identity. They're, they're confident in their identity in Christ, but they also value other people above themselves. I love how Paul says it in Philippians 2, 3. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
Rather, in humility, in humility, in humility, what do we do? We value others above ourselves. We value others above ourselves, not looking to our own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So we're not so worried about us. We're trusting that God is going to take care of us. We're trusting that God has already worked everything out for us. And our job is to go out and in humility, look at the interest of other people's in humility, love the world around us in humility, come up under people and lift them up. What does pride do? Pride comes up on top of people and pushes them down. But in humility, we lift people up. And when we study the word of God and we look at Jesus's life, we see how he did this from the beginning before he even got to this earth. Let's think about this. God, our creator, the alpha, the omega, God himself chose to lower himself down chose to lower. I want you to understand this. I want you, I I just pray that you have revelation of this today, that God, he didn't have to, he's God. He can do whatever he wants, but he chose because he's humble, because he loves us. He chose to lower himself down to this broken, sinful, messed up world. He stepped off the throne and he came here as fully man and fully God. Does that, does that not like make you think for a minute? Oh my gosh, my God, the creator of the earth, he did this for me because he loves me. And that is what humility looks like, knowing that he was going to go to the cross to pay for something that he didn't have to, that he shouldn't have to, but he willingly did. This is humility. And then we look at his whole life and and the way he was with people, the way that he he, um, really did outreach in the margins and he sat with sinners. And, And what happened in those instances is people's lives were changed and they decided to follow him because of his love for people, not because he came up and said, I'm God and I'm gonna tell you that you have to follow me and you have to do what I say because I'm an authority. That is not the God we serve. No, he came up people. He washed his disciples' feet and he showed them, this is what I want you to be like. He came to this earth, yes, to die for us, but also to pave the road of what it looks like to be a Christ follower. And so when we study Jesus's life, we look at this and we say, oh my gosh, I want to be more like my savior. I have this desire. I think most of us have a desire to have more humility, to walk in humility and grace, to have that confidence like Jesus did. See, Jesus knew who he was in and of himself because he's Jesus. So his identity was in himself in who God says he was, right? Or who God says he is. But we take on this new identity in Christ. So having that confidence in Christ of, of who we are, we want to come up underneath people and we want to lift them up. We want to help people. We want to look at their interests more than our own interests, right? But what happens is life happens and we go through things and life is hard and we have challenges and we face trials and we have tribulation. And and in those things, sometimes we struggle, don't we? We struggle to be able to walk in humility. I love, I love, I love what Paul says. I want to read in Galatians 5, 13. 
This really explains a lot. And, and it's really cool whenever we look at all the churches um, that Paul wrote to. And when you study what they were going through and you see they are, were just like us. They were just like us. And that's what makes it so unique is, yeah, their culture was different. And there were different times that Paul was calling out different cultural things. But there's always a base message of something that we can relate to. And the people in Galatia, they were confused. And they, they understood grace, but they were taking it to a whole new level. And they were saying, oh, well, we have grace so we can go and do whatever we want. And we can sin however we want. And we can treat people horrible. And we can push people down. And we can, we can control people and we can be mean and we can do this and do that. And, and Paul was calling them out. So we're going to read in Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. So he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. So here he's saying, yes, you are free in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are free. You are no longer in bondage to your sin. But then he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. So what is he saying? Don't use grace as an excuse to do whatever you want to do, right? And he continues, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is quoted from Jesus, right? When the Pharisees were trying to trap in him and ask him all kinds of questions of what the most important commandment is. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And in doing so, you fulfill the law. Love God, love people. That's our purpose. And it says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out for you will be destroyed by each other. So if we're going to sit here and we're going to push each other down and we're going to be all puffed up and prideful and tell everybody how good we are and how much better we are, at whatever it is that we do than they are, then you know what? We're going to destroy ourselves, aren't we? So I say, so he's giving us the answer. He's like, okay, you guys are doing all this. And I'm telling you, this is not what God has called us to do. So here's the answer to your problem. I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are, are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are, under, you are not under the law. So what is he saying here? He's saying, okay, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, same with identity, in that instant, we have the Holy Spirit that comes and lives inside of us. And if we're in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit that is there to guide and direct and convict us, and, and we have a choice. See, before we were in Christ, we were controlled and we were in bondage to the flesh. But now that we are in Christ, we actually have a choice. We're no longer in bondage to the flesh, but the flesh is still there. As long as we are on this earth, we're always going to have the flesh, our carnal nature, our, our, our sinful desires. There's still going to be things because we live in a sinful world, sinful world, and there will still be temptations. There will still be things. Jesus was tempted. Temptation is not a sin. Acting out in the temptation is 
where the sin comes in. And Paul is saying that you can follow those desires, the temptations of desires, or you can follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in and says, hey, don't treat that person like that. And he begins to bring the truth of the word of God, rather that be things that Jesus did or Proverbs or whatever it is. He brings those to our mind. Oh yeah, my savior didn't treat people like this. So that means I don't have to treat people like this. That's not what love looks like. And God is love and God is in me. Therefore I have love in me. So I want to walk in the truth of who I am. I want to walk in true love in in agape love. And I want to be able to walk in humility and not in pride. And so I think we all have that desire, but Paul tells us that we have to choose. He tells us that we have to choose. It's a choice that we have. We do not, we do not, God is not going to make us choose to walk by the Spirit. That's not who He is. We have to choose if we're going to follow Jesus or if we're going to follow our flesh. And the the church in Galatia, they were struggling with this. They were struggling with it. And he was calling them out. And I say that he's calling us out today to live a higher life. And again, it's not about striving. It's not like we're going to sit there and feel bad and con- condemned about not. But what I'm saying is that I think that we need to start living higher. There are so many people in this world that if they just saw the love of Christ in us, their lives would be changed because we see it in Jesus. It happened in Jesus. It happened in Acts. People were seeing, they were watching. They were watching as the disciples went out and they were healing people and they were preaching the truth and they were loving people. What were they doing? Were they coming up under them and saying, you have to do this. If you don't do this, then this is going to happen and you're bad people. No, they would come up under them and they would lift them up and they would show them the truth of the word of God and people's lives were being changed. And that's what we're being called to do as well because the world is tired of hearing Christians talk. The world is tired of hearing Christians telling them that they have to do A, B, and C, and the world is tired of it. They're not listening. Their ears are closed. And so the way that we can open their ears is by tangibly going out and being the people that God have called has called us to be, which is loving God and loving people. That is our purpose. You know, and it's it starts in the home, guys. The truth of the matter is, is that it starts in the home. And this is something I struggle with, with my husband. I know he's listening right now, so he's going to love this. But <laughs> basically, I struggle whenever we get into an argument. Man, they're everything in me. I'm like, I love to be right. And like, there's sometimes I'm like, God, you know, I'm right. You know, I'm right in this. So like, I just need to tell him that I'm right. And I need to prove my case. And I need to have my little board with all of my points and, and pull up uh, definitions. And I need to do everything that I can do to show, to prove that I am right. What is that? What is that? That's coming up over him. Even if I am right. So what, what does humility do? It comes up under, right? It comes up under, and I'm not saying that we, we, now I want you to hear me. I mean, if there's false teachings out there and if there's things that you're hearing that are not, not, um, aligning with the word of God, I'm not saying you just sit back and and believe it because that's humility. That is not humility. Don't do that. Okay. But what I'm saying is that whenever we're in an argument about something that's so stupid that like, when you get to the base of it, it's just like, why are we even fighting about this? Like if, I don't know what color car is, or I mean, some, they always start out and it's so simple, but then the enemy just loves how we build it up and we make it this big thing, right? And, and and then all of a sudden, you're contemplating a divorce over if it's an apple or an orange. And it's ridiculous, right? But the enemy loves this. He loves division. We see it from the garden, 
right? We see it from the garden all the way through the Bible. We see division, division, division. And God is saying the way to break that, the way to break that is to come up under someone. So in those moments, God has really been convicting me. He's really been showing me, Carrie, if you can just say the words, I am sorry. So hard to say. I know. I know. It's hard to say. But if you can just say those words, then there's something in the atmosphere that breaks, right? And and this is really in those those close relationships, in those relationships where, and come on, wives, I'm talking to you. When you just know that you know that you're right, oh my gosh. And and I mean, you got all back straight and you're just like, I am right. But that is not what your husband Yes, I'm calling you wives out right now. But that is not what your husband hear in that moment. What your husband needs to hear is that you are humble and you want to come up under him and you want to lift him up. And it really doesn't matter because it's more important that you continue to love him than you to be right. Mm. Once I heard a a message and it was um, being right over relationships and it really, really convicted me. I was like, man, my whole life, my whole life, I fought to be right. I always wanted to know the facts and I always wanted to be right. And I wonder, I've kind of always been a, I don't know, a conflict kind of girl, right? Where I just, I love to argue and, and that's okay in the right setting, but not in a marriage over something stupid that's going to really cause division in your marriage, right? Not even in a relationship with your children. I mean, come on, moms and dads, like sometimes it's it's better just to stop and come up under. Now, I'm not saying don't discipline them. But what I am saying is I think sometimes we even argue with our kids about things that it's so trivial compared to just saying, you know what? I was wrong. I love you. Let's not fight about this. Let's not talk about this. Let's just drop it. Come up under them. Lift them up. Let them know that they are loved. And you know what? They will see Jesus in you. You've been praying for them. You've been, I feel like there's someone that's watching or that's going to watch that you have been praying for the salvation of your child. And this is literally what God is saying is going to break that, that blinder that they have on is they're going to see whenever you begin to step out and lift them up and love them in a way that, and, and I'm not, I'm saying you're, I'm not saying you're a bad parent, but in a way that you've never loved them before. It's, it's not about being an authority. It's not about being right. It's about going up under them and lifting them up. And I really feel like the Lord is saying that in that, they're going to see Jesus in you and that thing is going to break. Amen. Mm, That's good. All right. So anyway, so in this situation with me and my husband, there's been a lot of times where I've really just wanted to be right. And God is really showing me, Carrie, if you can just stop in that moment and you can choose to walk by the spirit, choose to walk by the spirit, but what happens? Oh, it hurts so bad when we walk by the spirit so hard because our flesh so much wants to be able to be right. But if we can just choose, we have to choose, we have to choose. So what I've started doing is saying, God, convict me in these moments. Show me when I'm walking by my flesh, pull me, God, knock me on my butt, do whatever it takes to bring me to my knees. And I know that's a scary prayer, but you know what? It's going to be good because God is going to break this pride in me because I have asked God, if I ever get too big of a head, do whatever you have to do to knock me off the stage, right? And so it starts in the home and that's where we need to practice it. And we can ask for the Lord's conviction and we can ask for his guidance and we can, and he will tell us things to say and to do, to be able to break those things down. It's amazing how much God wants to partner with us. It's amazing how much he wants to do in our lives, but we have to be willing to choose the spirit. We have to walk by the spirit. He's in there. He's guiding us. He's directing us. He's convicting us. But we have to say, yes, God will not make us. He will not make us. He loves us too much. He doesn't want puppets. He wants us to choose. 
So today I want to encourage you in the areas in your life that you struggle with pride, with that you struggle with boasting. I want to encourage you to just surrender, just surrender today and say, God, convict me, guide me, show me whenever I have um, times that I want to follow my flesh, God, help me and show me that it's time to choose to walk in the spirit. Amen. Amen. 